On today's episode, we're discussing the topic of courage. Today, I'm talking with two courageous women about their own bravery and those who inspired them. I'm your host, Michael Heitzler, and this is Occidental Thoughts. folks, and welcome to another episode of Occidental Thoughts. Courage, uh, particularly in women of the Occident, has been a long struggle, and yet it's left an influential mark on the world. Uh, Pathways have been paved, and ahead lie highways of opportunity. But today we'll discuss some who have paved those paths and others who are still forging their own. But they are all unmistakably courageous women. Our first guest is and plays a woman of courage. Help me welcome Suzanne Savoy to the program. Hi, Suzanne. Hi, Michael. How you doing? I'm well. How are you? Good. I'm glad to be here. Suzanne Savoy is a film, stage, TV, and voiceover actress. Most recently, she was on uh, For Life on ABC. Uh, You may have also seen her on Cinemax's The Nick, on House of Cards, on Better Call Saul. She's all over your television set, but today (laughs) she's here with us to discuss a, a, a really fascinating project that she has come up with herself. Again, examining someone who has paved a way and yet also making one for herself. Suzanne does a one-woman show about a woman named Christine de Pizan, which is uh, sort of an overlooked figure, in my opinion, in the Occident, particularly in terms of strong women. And so I pose a question to you. Can you tell our audience just a, a defining courageous moment in the journey of Christine de Pizan? Yeah, sure. Well, first off, Christine de Pizan was the first professional female author in Europe at a time when women were not educated at all, when most of them were not educated. She lived from 1364 to about 1430. And um, education for women was frowned on as very indecent at the time. And probably her greatest act of courage came toward the end of her life when she risked her life for her country, for France. But I think that there was a moment that there were several moments and she, she, her life was defined by courageous moments. The one I'm thinking of is um, happened after she had started her writing career and um, she instigated an epistolary debate, a, a debate that took place in letters among several very powerful clerics in the French government and mm. in the Parisian universities. The clerics were the guys who, um, kind of ran things because they were, you know, they were monks and um, religious, religious figures. And the reason that they had such a big part in the government and in, uh, in the universities was that they could write Latin, you know, they were taught how to write Latin. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. all that was needed um, in, you know, in those areas of, of society. Well, there was a very popular book, The Romance of the Rose, which was the big book the big novel that everybody sounds enchanting oh well it well it's it is when you know the first 99 pages till you get to the very last one you're like oh i don't know what the big deal is about this book it's great it's funny it's oh this guy's chasing this girl and he's just trying to you know get her to like him and stuff and and the clerics all extolled it and praised it and they wanted all their students to read it well christine hated it because it was basically a rape manual Hmm. And and much like Ovid's Art of Love, uh, which was used 
to teach young boys how to read, she felt that if this was the reading, if this was the reading material that boys were being brought <laughs> up on, what are we teaching? Well, uh, yeah, of course they, you know, of course they thought that women were expendable and that they were worthy of being raped. Uh, and in literature, women were traditionally up until that point and beyond almost always portrayed as seductresses, sinners, basically weak and frivolous and worthy of, of being subjugated. Mm. So she felt that needed to be changed. And she, she wrote these amazing letters to the clerics uh, who were shocked first that a woman would, would write about these things and write to them and fly in their face and take their words and, and turn them back on them in very clever ways. Um, I mean, she, she had kind of a legal mind, a kind of a litigious mind, which she had developed during her days of when she first became a widow and lost all her property because women in France could not inherit their husband's property. So this was, this was a huge moment. And what, what made her very, um, she was very clever, uh, not just courageous, but clever because she could have been imprisoned. She could have been ostracized. She could have been, a lot of things could have happened to her because these guys were so powerful. What she did was she took all of their letters, which were snotty as hell, and her letters, which were clever. <laughs> they were, you know, subversively snotty. And she published them in a beautifully bound leather book with, with jewels on it, dedicated and presented it to the Queen of France, mm. saying, "Here's this book, and will you be my mentor?" And at that point, you know who's gonna who's gonna mess with her? Nobody. So she was right. a very, very cagey woman. She picked a fight, and she won it. And she went on to write books extolling women. So she was trying to set the record uh, straight and uh, write books showing that women were actually. Uh, capable of the same courageous feats that men were capable of. And we still have those books today. They're wonderful. And you took the time through these 14th and 15th century manuscripts to mm -hmm. formulate one one presentational piece to de depict Christine de Pizan to an audience. So we'll we'll circle back to it. Thank you. Incredibly courageous. What I take away from that is she <laughs> she picked a fight with the right people at the wrong time, per se, but the right time for her. And it's all in the presentation. I love I love the leather bound <laughs> presentation, you know, truly a, a brave woman's touch to all of that. It's too and we actually <laughs> we actually have a picture of her uh, presenting it to the queen so we know what it looked like. Wow. So it wow. can all be looked up um, online if anyone's interested. Thank you, Suzanne. Thank you so much. We're, we're going to circle back in just a few minutes. And for now, we're going to uh, pivot our panel over to Shayla Benoit. Hi, Shayla. Welcome Hi. to Occidental Thoughts. Thanks for oh, having thanks. me. It's my pleasure. Shayla is an actress. She's a filmmaker. She's a director, choreographer, and producer. She is the co-founder of Shady Theatrics, which is her filmmaking and production company. We can talk about that a little bit later. Truly a brave, independent, 21st century woman, full of courage. And so, Shayla, I, I ask you, we've, we've just talked about Christine de Pizan and fast-forwarded a few centuries, but I say to you, what you... Shayla, what is a defining moment of courage in your journey? Well, I've had a very interesting year, as we all have. Um, <laughs> uh, 
2020. But, uh, 2020, man. But on January 28th of this year, I was diagnosed with cancer, uh, specifically uh, primary mediastinal B-cell lymphoma. I um, had a cough that wouldn't go away for a couple months, and which I attributed to New York in the fall. And I had a rash on my chest that I thought I just was having an allergic reaction to something. I didn't think that they're related and uh, went to different doctors and, but wasn't saying that I had the rash and the cough at the same time to the doctors because I didn't think they were related. And long story short, I had a massive tumor in my chest that collapsed my right lung and was pressing on my heart. And I had two and a half liters of fluid in my lung that had to be drained. So it was completely shocking. I was like the kid that like was the DD and took everyone's keys at the party and didn't ever smoke anything and, you know, <laughs> square as they come. And uh, so to get have lymphoma all of a sudden was was totally shocking. So I kept trying to think uh, what was a defining moment. And I, I, I can't think of one specific. I think Every day, you just kind of have to choose how you're going to look at this diagnosis and how you're going to get better and how is your outlook going to be and how are you going to fight this thing. I am in remission now, which I am thrilled to say. Um, but I think a thing that was very shocking for me, everybody talks about the fight when you're in chemo. I also had an incredible amount of chemo. I had five days of 24-hour infusion for six rounds. So I did not realize... Uh, and ever all the doctors kept saying, you know, I'm 34 years old. Um, oh, you know, you're goodness. young, you're healthy. Like everything was fine in my body besides this massive tumor in my chest. Um, <laughs> so they just kept saying, you know, you're going to bounce right back and you'll be fine. You're young, you'll be fine. And, um, and I'm five months out of chemo now and I, I'm not fine. I mean, granted, I am doing really, really well considering the amount of chemo that I had, um, but I didn't know that I it would rock every part of my body. I was struggling to walk. I'm struggling with digestion. I mean, I've been to every doctor for all parts of your body because it has <laughs> truly affected all parts of my body. But I'm, I just feel like your mental state, as much as the medicine cures you, your mental state is what helps to cure you. And so I've just, from the moment that this started was just like, okay, what do we have to do? We're going to do it. And, and I, to that point, if I may, Shayla, for yeah, all the please. doctors you see, for all the doctors you see, did you see someone about what's happening in your head? Oh yes. Uh, therapy is a, a hundred percent must. Um, okay. You don't realize that you're uh, going through it is a trauma. And now we have this double trauma happening because the world is going through a collective trauma <laughs> with this pandemic you see, that we're you living seem in. adequately prepared, frankly, for this moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that was the crazy thing is that, you know, I got diagnosed in New York. We figured that it was going to be easier for me to do uh, the chemo at home with my family in Florida. So I flew down days before the pandemic hit New York, uh, which I was very fortunate to uh, be out of there because I'm immunocompromised now. So it's, um, yes. so I couldn't tell you of like a specific, aha, this is my moment of courage, <laughs> but I think it, I think it is, uh, every day waking up and choosing how you're going to fight this and how you're going to look at it and how you're going to recover. Um, choosing to love yourself when you look at yourself in the mirror and don't recognize the person that's there anymore. 
there's and just trying to heal through this this trauma that uh that has happened and i i think the i think the recovery part is the part that people don't often talk about everybody kept saying to me you've made it through the chemo this is the hardest part you've done the hardest part and because nobody really talks about the part after that and for me personally uh, the recovery has been much harder than my, my chemo treatment was. And I think that's a lot of that has been expectation based because I thought that I, I, <laughs> I was told I do six, I, I was told I do six months of chemo. And so I was like, well, I'll take a month off to recover and then I'll go sure. back to New York and, and start filming great. it. And, and then I'll I'm going to be, be normal again. It'll be, yeah, it'll be great. Yeah. And I thought a month was a terribly long time to recover and, uh, it's five months and I'm, <laughs> I've got a long way to go every day so one day one day at a time it right? is You're truly i know it's a cliche but it really is a one day at a time thing where you just kind of have to say this is where i'm at today and mm -hmm. you might feel great and you might not feel great but you just kind of have to be like but that's where i am so what are you gonna do i mean are you gonna him and haw about it you're just gonna deal with where, where you're at you know and you're building yourself up day by day you're saying so your courage is not necessarily a defining moment but every day do you feel do you feel there's oh, a, a bit of courage playing at action and truly i well yeah i mean not only that but the courage to i i've learned um to really trust myself in this process of no i know my own body and i feel like we get uh intimidated by doctors uh because they're doctors um and say no this isn't right and i know this isn't right and i need you to work with me on this or fighting mm -hmm. insurance companies um mm -hmm. and i've also been um i've been very transparent with my family and friends and on social media of this is what i'm going through and um and also i've shared you know what my medical bills look like because i really want america to understand what it looks like to have a, an illness and especially one that like i had I would have never guessed that this would have happened to me ever. Right. Um, and not to scare anyone to say this could happen to you, but it could happen. And, um, and in the event that it does, I think I think your transparency about that journey is one that can benefit people dramatically because it's not until often we are faced with it ourselves that yes. it becomes a, a a hot button issue, if you will. Mm -hmm. And and you know, Shayla, I want to circle back to you say that there's not a lot of focus, particularly on recovery you know, yeah. on the process of recovery. It's sort of like, congrats, you got through it, you're in remission. Okay, and the world keeps turning. Of course, that's not the same for you, as you say, every day is a winding road. May I, may I? Yeah. Thank you, and, please uh, do. You're so welcome. I mean, we have to. But I do I do wanna ask Suzanne to jump back on the line with us and, and talk a little bit in terms of courage in recovery. Sure, I am. Um, can you, can you, yeah, can you put the Christine de Pizan hat aside for a moment? Well, I, um, Shayla, I, you know, it's, it's real interesting to hear you talk about this because I went through a very similar um, experience eight years ago. I had colorectal cancer. We call it ass oh, cancer. Wow. And, yes. um, and I, you know, I was, <laughs> I was going to ask you if you had to sort of have that talking to with your doctors and if you had to fight with them did you have to fight because I had to fight I had to fire my entire almost my entire team of doctors in order to save my life and that yes. was hard to yeah. do partly because I had never done it before and also because uh, my fan you know my friends and family didn't understand they thought well they're doctors they know more than you do how could yes. you know more than they do so I'd love to know you know how that played into what you did you know what you've um doing. that's everything that you just said first of all I'm 
thrilled that you are, are better. Congrats. Um, I am. Thank you. That's incredible and very encouraging for me to hear. So thank you. Yes, I totally dealt with that. I was very fortunate when I was in New York. I had an, a really amazing team. Um, my family came up for a few days to be with me in the hospital, but then they need to go back to Florida. Um, so my first chemo treatment, I was uh, in New York and my friends were incredible and rallied around me, but my family wasn't there to hear the ins and outs of what my treatment was. So when mm -hmm. we then switched my treatment down to Florida, I met a new doctor and he presented me with a completely different plan than what I had just been doing in New York. And I was like, this is, I mean, I had lived in a hospital for two weeks and I was hooked up to a machine for 24 hours for five days. And I knew that that, and he was trying to say I needed three hours a day. And I was just terrified because it was very much impressed upon me how serious it was and how much I needed this, this chemo right away. And I knew it was life-saving. So I'm like, how do I go from 24 hours to three hours? And my family didn't understand. They thought that I was, I don't, it will also taking into account people going through trauma. They were, I know that it was all fear-based too of them mm -hmm. just wanting me to be better. They're sure. hearing this from a doctor and like, we're all trained to believe that the doctors know everything, but mm -hmm. I knew in my gut that this was not right. And I had to say something and and luckily, right before, so I, I kept telling my family, this doesn't feel right. I was contacting my doctor in New York right before I went in for my infusion on Monday. The nurse came out and said, uh, this is this is not your plan. And the doctor comes right out. He's like, I'm so sorry. I misread your plan. You're supposed to be on five days of 24-hour infusion. <laughs> and my mother was like, what? It's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, uh, it's, and so there are many times that I... I feel like, especially as women too, we are uh, taught yeah. to be polite. We are taught to not hurt people's mm -hmm. feelings. And yep. when it comes to hurting someone's feelings or saving your life, I don't, I just don't. And not that I'm rude or mean when I'm talking to these people, but I'm just going to stand my ground. And I can't, I mean, I'm in Florida now and I can't tell you how many times I go to different doctor's offices and people aren't wearing masks. And I just, I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm immunocompromised. Would you mind just putting on a mask for me? Um, it feels uncomfortable it to your, say yeah, it and put it over your and nose. Put it over your nose. Mouth, yeah. Yes. Well, and you know, I, uh, I went through the same thing, uh, because I, um, my first team of doctors were, and they were supposedly, you know, big shots in the field. I could tell that they were looking at me like I was dead already. And they were saying, Oh, well, no, you don't need any radiation. We're just going to give you a light, a light dose of, of chemo. And I thought, Oh, they've got me dead already. They're not really going to do much of anything. And so I went to someone who I felt I trusted, who was the radiation doctor. And I said, uh, you know, I said, I get this feeling that, that they see a dead woman. And he said, you know, actually, uh, you're right. Because I was in on a conversation with them. And that's, what they think and that's what they're going to do and he wow. said ethically i can't i can't tell you to quit them but if you decide to quit them i can give you some other names and he did and that because i questioned it and because i asked the right person yes who i just yes. had a mm. feeling in my gut was the right person mm. and and i did have to go through some very um aggressive chemo and radiation and I've, I did have some long lasting effects because the radiation was so aggressive. I mean, it made my bones very brittle and I had to be very careful, um, but I'm alive and uh, and I've regained my strength. So, I, you know, all I can say is hang in there. Yes, it's it does take a, it takes a while. And 
and it comes back in subtle ways that w when you don't expect it. Um, yeah. But, you know, I was supposed to die. I was supposed to not recover. I was stage four, but I've made it and I've, I'm living a very full life. So this is this is the bonus round, baby. Just enjoy it. You know? <laughs> well, I'm so thrilled to hear that. And like, it's very encouraging for me to hear that. So thank you so much for sharing. I'm thrilled to be alive, of course, but I want a quality of life. I want my life back, you know? So, yeah. um, so I fought for physical and occupational therapy. So I'm doing those things now and that's helped tremendously. Good. So it's, yeah. it's really, and I'm, I'm sure you've seen that our healthcare system is completely broken and I did not realize mm -hmm. how bad it was until I was in it. And so I, I just feel a calling to, to kind of speak to that so that we can help people and all people. It, it, it shouldn't be a political thing because your health is not political. It's not. Um, so I, I feel very passionate about speaking to that as well. When life is on the line, right? When the stakes are that high, when your life is on the line, or in Christine's case, life is on the line, uh, you get courageous enough to step up to the plate because <laughs> what what is the alternative, right? We I think we've depicted the alternative, which none yeah. of us seem to desire. So that being said, you take that step of courage in your life and say, I'm going to fight this no matter what it takes. Does that mm -hmm. carry over? Yes, it does. Um, you know, Christine de Pizan had this, she wrote it, one of her defining poems is called The Mutation of Fortune. And of course, in the Middle Ages, everybody believed in the Wheel of Fortune and Lady Fortune and how the wheel mm -hmm. would, sometimes you'd be up on the wheel and sometimes you'd be down on the wheel. Uh, and she sat there in her little dress and her little headdress and, and just tried to, you know, believed that that if she was right and she if she did things right that she would get what she needed well of course the, the law doesn't always work that way so she wrote this poem where she says as i dwelt in fortune's court where great mischances i did court i of a sudden saw that she took notice and remembered me and with great haste flew to me straight to help me in my direst strait to aid me in my deepest need i who could only groan and plead for anyone to hear my cries i'll tell what rescue she devised so the rescue that fortune devised for her was she turned her into a man she says that real genuine i'm not i'm not making this up she you can tell by the way i walk now i walk differently i talk differently i have become a man in order to stand up for myself and live in a man's world and survive and thrive in a man's world which when i do this poem for an audience you just see faces just bursting wide open with these <laughs> these looks of recognition and, and yeah. grins and smiles and, and just love of this poem and what, what Christine did. Do uh, you posture yourself that way, having gone through what you go through? Yes. Do you connect yes. to that? <laughs> I do. I mean, you know, when I go into a doctor's office, I walk in as uh, I'm not the patient necessarily. I We are uh, on the same team. We are collaborators and it's mm -hmm. my body. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Definitely. I love I love everything that you just said. I'm also just on a random question, just curious as to what brought you to uh, this woman that you have found that has inspired all of your work. Creeps. Creeps <laughs> brought me to her. Creeps. <laughs> we can and will unpack more about Suzanne's one woman show, uh, Je Christine, about Christina Pizan in Occidental Afterthoughts, which is available on Facebook, on our Facebook page. So join us on Facebook and we're going to talk more on Occidental Afterthoughts. Shayla, I want to pivot back to you quickly. Did your moment of courage with your with your health team, does that change not just your impact in that 
element of your life, meaning going into the doctor's office, but in everything else. Yes. Whether, okay. Oh, yes. yes. hundred. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, that was an amen. That was a big amen. It was a full, full out, no marking amen. Um, I... <laughs> Um, yeah, I actually, I talk about this with my therapist all the time, or the, these are the things that I feel like I'm taking with me are learning to advocate for myself in every way, shape and form. And when I have a gut feeling nine times out of 10, it's the right feeling and to just go with it and trust that, you know, what you're talking about. It's given me the courage to say, you know what, it might be a little uncomfortable to say what I need to say, but I'm going to say what I need to say because it's important. It's saving my life. It's, and that's ultimately the most important thing. And so I definitely am looking forward to taking all these like monumental lessons that I'm learning in this journey with me when I get back out in the (laughs) real world. (laughs) Yeah. I would say, you know, it's uh, hearing all, all three of these stories. My takeaway from you is it's not so much about necessarily saving your life as it is in that moment, saving your life, but shaping your life moving forward. I want to thank you both for sharing your stories with us today. And to our listeners, I hope these stories have encouraged you to be courageous today and every day. I'm your host, Michael Heitzler. Join us again next time on Occidental Thoughts. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you. 